0: This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visit it with mom and dad, and you notice that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus provides affordable in home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus offers a number of services to support your loved ones, including personal care, companionship, meal preparation, and so much more. They can help with running errands and managing doctor visits. They can take mom to the beauty salon or dad to a movie. And CarePlus specializes in Alzheimer's and dementia care. An experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to support mom and dad's needs, leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today at 3 740-8870. tell them you heard about this ad on a minor detail podcast and you will receive a special discount call today at 301-740-8870 and check them out online at careplusinc.com
1: good afternoon my name is ryan Miner. you're listening to a minor detail podcast you can find me on the web at a minor detail I also cover Maryland news and politics at a minor detail.com. Today is Friday, October the 18th. It is a windy Friday in Rockville. I am at the Rockville Memorial Library with Rockville City Council candidate Cynthia Cotty Griffiths, and she is running on Team Rockville, the committee. I was warned, Cynthia, that I should not call it a slate, but rather a committee. So she's going to talk all about her city council race. She's going to talk a little bit about her ideas and policies and what she hopes to accomplish as a city councilwoman. And she's sitting here, and she looks a little anxious, but I'm telling you, everybody unwinds at the end of these interviews, and she has a big smile. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome Cynthia. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate
2: it. No, I appreciate you doing this, because having done a couple of news sites about Rockville and done a, a blog radio show, I appreciate what you're doing and getting decent in-depth interviews, because for forums, we haven't had an opportunity to really talk in-depth about what we'd like to do with the city.
1: I saw that on your bio. You used to write a, a blog about Rockville the issues. What are you not doing that anymore?
2: Not doing that anymore. We had about a four-year run with RockvilleCentral.com. It started uh, basically a couple of us Cub Scout leaders. Um, you know, we were out there volunteering with the boys all the time. And uh, my, my co-leader Brad Rockwe saw a, a need. He saw a need. It was funny because uh, we were inspired by another blogger, Dan Reed, just up the pike. The Washington Post had done an article about him on Sunday, and I had had a friend from California who would moved here and didn't know anything about Rockville and she said, you should be doing a blog, you know, and I was like, I didn't even know what that was back then. And there was this article in the Washington Post about Dan Reed, and I cut it out, and I put it by my nightstand, and I said, I'm gonna do it. Christine's been telling me to. I'm gonna do it. And I woke up the next morning, and after I got the boys to school, uh, my friend, you know, co-leader of the Cub Scouts had started a blog at 7.30 in the morning. He beat me by about an hour and a half, and I said, sure, I'm all in on this. And he was doing just a little bit about his, uh, the West End neighborhood, and I said, "It needs to be for the whole city that first day. We need to just do the whole city so that's how it started.
1: It's, it's a big city to cover and I'm sure that it took a lot of time so I know so you have the first-hand experience now you said you also did a like a on, did you do a talk radio show or a podcast?
2: Yes yeah, part of that we found a free service we were always looking for free tools uh-huh. that um, community members could share we were just really trying to get people to volunteer to step up to pay attention to the issues kind of get the younger generation out there and find different ways to do that so we did a free radio show. Um, It was like an hour on Fridays. (laughs) People would call in, and we would always have guests about, you know, they'd come up with some really great ideas about things to do in Rockville, so it it was fun. It's online. It's online still, actually. It's still out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I do that similarly, and I try to record as much as possible face-to-face. I just think that the dynamics between a face-to-face interview or a sit-down discussion, and my the way that I sort of frame how I operate in these interviews. We're just having a conversation and I love NPR. I love the the warmth that people have inside of the studio but we're not in much of a studio and the acoustics here um, are very echoey sometimes but I have this great free software that I, (laughs) I use to edit interviews. So Cynthia, you're running for Rockville City Council. First time candidate.
2: First time ever, yes. I that? I've, it's been an experience. Uh, I think it's a, a lot harder than I thought. Um, and what, in what respect? Uh, well, we started, my husband and I started the first weekend in May. And when I say I've only taken a few days off since then, I mean that. I, you know, my, my son graduated from college. I took a weekend off. Uh, my other son graduated from high school. I took a day off. I took my son away to college. And I took two days off. And besides that, my husband and I pretty much every night. I I started on a rainy day. I decided I was starting that first weekend in May. And it was pouring rain. Um, People took sympathy upon me. And I I didn't know that I quite knew what I was doing knocking on doors. But um, I just threw myself into it. Uh, I wore out a whole pair of sneakers. Um, This is my second pair. And I bought inserts. And I was noticing how the inserts are worn out now. But the sneakers aren't. So it's been a... It's been a lot of hours, and uh, but it's been fun. So <laughs> that's
1: important, then. and you have to have fun when you're campaigning, especially when you're out knocking doors. If there's no better way to meet the people and the constituents, the voters, and this year is a little bit different. Uh, Mail in voting. How is that? How, how, is, how is that going? I hear mixed reactions, but I hear from most of the candidates that it's a positive. It's a positive change in that the residents will now have the opportunity to get a ballot in the mail, prepaid postage. They send it back to City Hall, or they can drop it off by November the 5th. Uh, I think it's, I guess, when the polls close.
2: Well, there's only one poll at City Hall. So on November 5th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., they can bring it in person to City Hall or register to vote if they haven't already. Um, but that's the only polling place, and I actually have run into two people in the last week that didn't realize that there are no polling places. They still thought this mail ballot was an option, and they could still do the regular thing on Election Day. So I think we need to keep emphasizing that fact. It, your ballot has it, been mailed to you. That is it. <laughs> you <That's> just it. <laughs> got to figure out how to get it back.
1: So <laughs> you're not doors, Cynthia you ask people, hey, are you, have you voted, or are you planning to vote, or what's uh, – well, How do you get them to to, to engage in this process? Well,
2: they usually tell me first thing at the door. Um, And I love the doors that open and say, oh, Cynthia, I've already voted for you. So those are the doors I like. Uh, But most people, you know, they have them or they they have a lot of people have been telling me that they have already voted. Um, So we're anxiously waiting next week to see the first list and see how many did vote. They're going to post it, I believe, next week.
1: Good. I'm hoping that it's.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, looking at all the other places, when this started, I did a lot of research into Washington, Oregon, Colorado, just whatever I could find studies that had been done on it. And I think the first week they you say is about 10%. Mm-hmm. So if we could get a good 2000, I mean, we can almost double the number of people that are going to vote. Um, back in 2009, I, when we were doing that blog, uh, we did a, a, a candidate forum. We had 11 candidates for city council, almost the same as now, and two for mayor. And I really we, you know, was putting all this energy into getting people in Rockville that had never voted before to vote. And I was so excited. I thought they all were. And then, I mean, it for two weeks after with oh, this excuse, that excuse, I had to work late, I didn't want to get up early that morning, you should have invited me for coffee that morning and forced me to go vote, you know. There were just, as much as I tried, but this, you know, the mail is different, because it's in their house for a few weeks, and you can really encourage them to do it, and hopefully at some point, before November 5th, they will do it.
1: <laughs> I overwhelming voter apathy in this country, and elections could be changed if people came out to vote, and that's why voter registration is so important, and Rockville has mailed a ballot to every eligible registered voter within the city limits, prepaid postage. And I'm saying this as someone who is very civically minded, as well as you. Get out and vote. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. You have something in your mail that you can send back. All you have to do is open the envelope, check the person that you want, and then put it. In the mailbox or wherever you deliver, wherever you drop your mail off at, and it will be delivered, and your voice will be heard. That's it. That's it. That is it. So, I'm sure that we need no more public service announcements. <laughs> so, you, you went to Gettysburg College. In fact, I was just in Gettysburg uh, a couple weekends ago with my dad. We sometimes we just take these random weekend trips. My my dad, his wife, and my wife. Great place. Tell me about uh, tell me about your your life, uh, where you grew up, uh, college, and then how you ended up in Rockville.
2: Well, I grew up in North Bergen, New Jersey, actually, right outside the Lincoln Tunnel. Be- the cadets of Bergen County. Yeah, no, it's Hudson County. Uh, <laughs> is it, is it, moved? it Nor- used to be <laughs> No, North Bergen is in Hudson County because Hoboken was originally called okay. Bergen. I was uh, little little known it. fact.
1: I was thinking of the when I, when I say the cadets of Bergen County. Uh, there used to be a um, a, 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 a marching band. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> uh, talk I um, so grew up
2: in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I would say I my eighth grade civics teacher uh, was running for mayor of Weehawken, a nearby township. And uh, another friend of mine, Jose and I, we we went out and we canvassed, you know, to all the doors. We put all the paper. We were really into this campaign. Then my dad said I could go election night and to his party and see if he won, and he won. And it was very exciting. Um, but what happened to two times all the mayor and council in my hometown in North Bergen, and then what wound up happening to him is that they all wound up going to jail for different reasons, but mostly bribes. And so, I mean, I, I grew up with the mayor and council being taken out of city hall with handcuffs on them down the back steps. And then my idol, you know, (laughs) Oh, I, I don't know. (laughs) It it has not happened in Rockville and I don't want it to happen, but, um, I, uh, my Both my parents, I'll be very honest, did not graduate from high school. My mom was a daughter of immigrants. She had to go to work in the factory and support her family. My dad didn't make through high school. He wound up working at his dad's business and wound up taking over. He was a successful businessman and you know, did the highest volunteer position he possibly could in Boy Scouts, but he just didn't finish high school. But he always told me that I would go to college, and no one in my family had ever gone to college, but I believed him, and I researched on my own. I had to take a city bus up to the library research colleges. Our guidance counselors weren't very helpful. And I came with my list and I figured out how to do it on my own. And I did get scholarships, but I had a a minister from my church. I was, you know, president of the youth group and did a whole bunch of things. And he took me, um, you know, around and exposed me to a lot of different places and in convos and other things that we went to and supported me, he and his wife, who happened to be here in Maryland. Um, they wound up going to Texas and then wanted to be in Maryland, came and stayed with me and wound up uh, moving here. So I think with that encouragement, I wound up at Gettysburg. Um, I had scholarships to a few. Gettysburg was the largest scholarship. Um, I was Lutheran. I still am Lutheran, and it was Lutheran College, so I had that connection, and I, I decided to go there, and a scholarship kid, <laughs> so um, I enjoyed uh, worked as a station manager of our college radio station, and uh, was a reporter for our, our newspaper, and I was on in the theater group on stage all the time, so I had a great experience, and it was a great... Advantage for me, um, my husband did attend with me, but we did not date when we were in college. We were uh, sort of in some of the same circles. We had uh, friends of ours were married after college, and he was the best man, and I was the maid of honor, well, that's um, and we were brought back together again, uh-huh. and then uh, he moved down to the D.C. area. I moved down a short time later to see if things would work out with him. My dad had died. I needed to kind of move on with my life, so we wound up here um, he wound up getting in the University of Maryland for his Ph.D., and so we wound up coming from Virginia up to Silver Spring. Um, I was working for Montgomery Housing Partnership. I was program manager, and we bought this old dilapidated motel, the Town Center Motel here on North Washington Street about a block from here. And we had to do it very quickly because it was like a foreclosure situation out of a, a bankruptcy thing in New York. Um, and we were a small nonprofit of two full-time people, the president and I, and a couple of part-time people that helped with the development. And we bought it. Uh, we bought it because the mayor and council at that time, Rose Krasnow was mayor. They really rushed the paperwork along, passed all the resolutions they needed to pass. And I was very impressed with Rockville. We put in the little kinship park that was over here. And it was welcomed. That that mixed income, 256 units mixed income, was welcomed at affordable housing. It, we, they held a big event for us at Glenview Mansion. And I was so impressed with Rockville when my husband and I were married. Um, I was watching, uh, I circled a bunch of houses in Rockville, our dream, you know, we're living in an apartment and said, oh, we're going to, someday we'll buy a house in Rockville, but I wouldn't say which my football team was, but my football team was losing quite badly. And um, so he said, hey, hon, how about we go look at these houses you circled up there in Rockville today? And we, we did. We came and we found a great house in Twinbrook. And it was our first little house. And we really loved it there. And that's where we both bought our little babies home from the hospital, too. And uh, I cried for two years after we sold the house because <laughs> uh, it was a, it was just a special place. Uh, you know, it meant a lot to us. But uh, babies, two didn't fit in the room with baby one. And so we needed a bigger place. But I looked for three years. I, until I found something that was as good as Twinbrook. So. Wow,
1: Twinbrook's a great community. Currently, you're serving as the executive director of the D.C. Maryland Justice for Our Neighbors. It's a Methodist, Methodist ministry, which relocated to Rockville Town Center last year, and it provides free professional legal services to low-income immigrants. Tell me about that.
2: Well, that was a a great opportunity. I had been looking to go down to a part-time position, mostly because I wanted to run for public office. And I had a dream job in mind. And uh, when I saw the the job (laughs) description for this part-time executive director, which was just the next step in my career, and a subject that I was very passionate about, you know, this issue, as you could see nationally, is something that is controversial, and the rules are changing every single week. So I felt... Like you say, you know, what would you do at this point when, when these things are happening? Well, I would step up as much as I could. Um, I guess my grandparents were immigrants, um, not that far removed. Czechoslovakia. Okay. So they came through Ellis Island. They, they didn't even need any paperwork back then. You know, my grandfather came over, then my grandmother came over with the two kids. And, you know, they lived in tenements in New York, but they didn't have to go through the processes that we have now. Processes that have become pretty close to impossible. So when I saw the the job, I read it out loud to my husband, but he thought I was making it up because he was like, oh, yeah, Cindy, that would be the perfect job for you. And I said, it's a real job. You know, I'm going to apply. And um, it worked work through. I'm very excited. Um, we actually, I'm Lutheran, but I'm I'm, an Epis- I'm practicing Episcopalian in, in Rockville. But it's interesting because our Cub Scout pack was always at a Methodist church, and um, I, you know... I have all these connections to this particular organization that I didn't realize um, people in common with this organization that I didn't realize when I was interviewing. And I, I just every day, the people that volunteer in our board and volunteer at the legal clinics just inspire me in that the compassion that they're showing for people that are really. in in the worst spot that they could be. Um, We we help people that are coming out of situations of torture, um, discrimination in other countries. Um, They don't have any money, um, but then, also, other people who come here that just simply want to go from green card to citizenship, they just want to get a work permit, and if you 're paying an attorney to do this, and more and more you need an attorney for every step of the way it 's if you don 't have five thousand twelve thousand dollars you can 't go through the process, and that seems wrong to me that only Rich would be able to go through the process. <laughs>
1: That they raise their hand and take the, uh, put their hand over their heart and say the pledge. But I really see that as I see so many Americans sadly just taking that for granted. And I have to catch myself too at times. And I I walked into the library downstairs and I saw Citizenship Corner. Yes. It gives me hope. It really does. I, I see Rockville and other communities throughout Montgomery County as providing a safe place for immigrants to live here to become active members of the community and to thrive most importantly
2: yeah and i I think we do a very good job of it Um, You know, Rockville, the city of Gaithersburg, Montgomery County, you know, have all seemed to be on the same page and making sure that everyone stays safe and everyone is welcomed here. And it's amazing. I was Richard Montgomery High School PTA president. You know, my youngest just graduated this June. And that community is amazing because there are people, honestly, I think last year was 144 different languages spoken at home. There's not any one dominant group there. And it's this mix, and there's no conflict. I actually talked to my my 22-year-old son this morning before he went off to work, um, and in his girlfriend. I said there was none of there was no racial discrimination. There was no no question. They it's amazing how they get along. At the graduation our principal said that they needed to their job was to go out into the world and make the rest of the world like R M is and, and it really is. It's it's an amazing community. But that it kind of mirrors what you see all around Rockville and was what I, what I do love about Rockville.
1: You've been a PTA president, you have volunteered for a number of organizations. You you were on the Montgomery County Transportation Microtransit Work Group. You participated in the City of Rockville Recreation and Parks Focus Group. You were part of the City of Rockville Human Services Advisory Commission and the City of Rockville Traffic and Transportation Commission. So clearly all of the experience that you have and the, the amount of time that you have volunteered has clearly led you up to running for public office. Now I'm I'm looking at the last couple of years in a much bigger context, and I told my wife last year on Election Day in November, I said, this is absolutely the year of the woman. And I said, it is is just fundamentally important that more and more women are feeling confident to come out and run for public office. This is a huge moment in this country. I think now in the House of Representatives uh, in Washington, there is more women elected to public office at any time in our history. So how, how did you arrive at that decision to run? Was there a particular moment or an issue that inspired you, or one day you said, well, I'm, I'm going to do it?
2: I think I've been wanting to do it for quite a few years now. Um, you know, in 2007, when I started blogging and writing, I, I followed every single mayor and council meeting. and oh, that's um, a feat. <laughs> it is a feat. It's they a go feat. late. We shared them, every, you know, with the two of us, so every other one was mine. Um, and I I... Be, I I found that I really have a passion for it. I never mind sitting there. I would come home, and my husband would often say, I'd just get so excited. I'd be talking about things. And, and even for 2040, our master plan, I was on the water and sewer committee, and I would come home excited. Hey, do you know what kind of businesses we need to get to Rockville? We need to get dialysis and breweries to come here because we need more people using the water so it costs Like You know, like breweries. I get yeah, – uh, I'm uh, about the breweries, yes. <laughs> Tell me, what are your favorite? I actually, my, I, 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 mean, I like Saints Row. I've oh, been there yes, yes. In, in Seven Locks. I, uh, we going over there and playing the giant Jenga and, and the cornhole with friends, and you know, uh, playing games on the. And I, I, I those are my two favorites. Are
1: you familiar with Peter Francho and Yes, his, his, uh, I don't want to call it a plan, but it's a movement. It is a movement. It's called Reform on Tap, and it's to lessen the regulatory burdens on. People who want to start craft brew or microbrews. And it's it's this this movement that has taken off all throughout Maryland and the comptroller's office is pushing this. And I get really excited. I, I don't drink that much beer, but I get really excited about the number of people that are involved in the brewing process and how much it spurs local, the local economies and small business owners take off. And yeah, there, there's some excellent breweries here in Rockville.
2: See how we can go from a simple public policy position, like what would be good businesses to attract okay. for our water, and then we're very excited about breweries a minute exactly. later. So, I mean, uh, to me, it's never boring. I, I love this stuff.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about your decision to join the Team Rockville slate. And oh, I, I got to touch myself. The committee. Slate
2: it's <laughs> well, I'll I'll give you a look. There is one piece of paper that you signed that says slate committee, <laughs> uh, officially for the city. And okay. we're like, why does it say slate on there? it means that you can combine resources and for me it means being very transparent because i think in the past a lot of other people have run and if you're running individually you're not supposed to be out there using any of funds or you know supporting other candidates you should just be honest about it rather than hiding it and i you know i was the observer for you know about a dozen or so years and and felt that you know mark bashala and virginia Onley were more aligned with what i believed um because i as i already said i come out of the affordable housing background and um, I respected them very much. Um, it still was a tough decision for me because I considered myself that independent blogger that I, I had all the knowledge and I could do this on my own um, but I thought about it a good long and hard, and I might have decided to do it on my own if it didn't have the vote by mail this year. But I realized mailing to large amounts of people, you know, I, I it's very expensive, and I wouldn't be able to reach people by myself. Um, I, I I see some of the people running that I haven't received anything from yet or seen anything, you know, being mailed. Um, and as a, as a team, Rockville, we we've been able to pool our money together, very affordably to to get our message out there. So.
1: Tell me about Team Rockville. I asked. I, I've had the opportunity to interview Mark and David, and soon I will be interviewing Virginia.
2: And you interviewed James too. And James. Yes. <laughs> I know. There's a. Yeah. That's us.
1: That's, that is that is Team Rockville. What separates Team Rockville from uh, Forward Rockville? Is that the name, or is it? Is it something? I keep messing this. It's up. Rockville Forward. Rockville Forward. Uh, what? And I should mention this yeah. is the first time we there's, two opposing committees running for
2: office since yeah since i've been paying attention i was i mean i've been in the city for 26 years so there were ones back there but i don't think i really noticed them um it was you know it sounds like back then it was like oh we're taking turns. Your mayor next kind of thing that was going on every two years. Um, I wasn't a part of politics back then, so just from basically reading the newspaper, uh, what I observed. But this is the first time in recent history, and I don't know that you can really distinguish. I mean, we set ourselves up way back, you know, in April. We were all in the Memorial Day parade in the end of May. And at the time, uh, Bridget Newton was saying she wasn't running again. And even right when Virginia Onley declared, she did an interview that said she didn't know who was running against her. So I don't think we ever set ourselves up meaning to distinguish ourselves. We set ourselves up that we really trusted each other. I knew that we're all extremely qualified to do this. We have the experience to do it. We're on the same page with things like affordable housing, including more people, you know, doing better for our kids, um, our kids of all ages that are here, and setting a future for them, no matter what stage that they were in. And we, and we agree on them, and we get along very well. And I think we've been through a bunch of decisions now, and I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been to, to run with them. Um, they're really distinguish themselves. I think every, every time that we, we interact and we're working on decisions, I, I know what great people they are.
1: <laughs> it's important to trust the people that you're running on the same committee with. And I, I had the option to talk to a couple of your colleagues that are on the same committee. And it, it, it appears that you have a different vision for Rockville forward uh, than you know, like on housing or economic development and public schools Zoning works. Um, so let's talk about a couple of those okay. issues. But I, I first would be remiss if I didn't briefly mention that the sponsor of our podcast is called – it's a company based out of Gatorsburg that serves Montgomery County in Washington, D.C. called Care Plus Home Health. They provide home care for aging seniors. I'm sure that you've met with many seniors, them and they provide personal care and companionship. They're trained in Alzheimer's and dementia care. And They can be found at CarePlusInc.com, and you can call them at three zero one seven four zero eight eight seven zero, and they're going to help mom and dad uh, just a little little bit better in their life uh, inside of their home, and that's uh, it's important to take care of our seniors. And maybe we could start with that issue. What's uh, what's your viewpoint on how we can make, maybe make affordable housing in Rockville? Um, more affordable for our seniors and some of the activities that they can participate in. And how can they senior citizens stay engaged in this community?
2: I think Rockville does an excellent job with our senior services right now. I mean, they will come to someone's home, you know, a senior, and pick them up and take them to the senior center individually. So we, I we, I give, no. No, it's it's great. It it is, um, and when you get there and you're a member and you there are programming this programming all day. I mean, I know I've been there from like the Rifle Science Center it's things. Place. It's amazing the gym, uh, the computer room. People go there for lunch, and as I've gone around, I, I often ask the seniors, "Do you go to the do you go to the senior center?" And then, you know, most of them will say, "Yeah." Some of them don't want to, but um, you know, they work on that all the time. Well what I I've, I've seen studies that said really simply somebody visiting a senior once a week seeing how they're doing seeing if they're taking medication if they take it making sure that just that check in makes an enormous difference and it actually cuts down on major hospital bills and major doctor bills but there's no money in stopping Seniors from going to the hospital. So there's not, you know, a big um emphasis to do that with programming, but we do it here in the city. Um we do it quite well. Um senior housing is it's a little bit of a, a tough um situation if we have enough density and we have enough housing in general, a lot of seniors just wanna to move to that multifamily one story, don't have to do the yard work, don't have to worry about the roof caving in on them kind of a feeling. So it doesn't necessarily have to be senior housing, because a lot of seniors that I talk to don't want to be necessarily like cordoned off with other seniors, they want to still see the kids, they still want to be around people that are intergenerational community where they're living. So I know people are downsizing, uh, even friends from church downsize to the building right here in, in town square. So it doesn't necessarily have to be exclusively senior. So I think it's more of that broader building enough housing so that that the price is low enough so people can afford to stay here, as well as working with the nonprofit providers like I did and, you know, working with the county government.
1: Let's move on to a different topic, transportation infrastructure. It's a big one for local government. Do you support the governor's plan to widen
2: I don't support it to widen 270. I know some people are saying, oh, well, it's not really going to be widened that much. But my understanding, the state told us at the last public hearing, which wasn't really a hearing, it was more of the public information session, I'll say, that they're going to take down all the sign wall sound walls in order to do this construction. So for Rockville, that would be very disruptive because it's basically here at Rockville. Right. Right, there are neighborhoods I've I've talked to people living in the townhouses and other homes right up against the wall on both sides at, over the summer. Oh, extreme concerns there. Yeah, big concerns. Um, uh, yeah.
1: What are your thoughts on mitigating this traffic situation? I call it a crisis. We're at that point where there's just too many cars on 270. It takes forever to get from point A to point B anytime between 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. And then it starts. Cynthia, it starts around 2.30 in the afternoon. Yes. Fridays are just the worst. So what are some of the ideas that you and the council can work towards to fix this?
2: I think one thing that the council needs to do is really get lobbying back with the state to put the corridor city transitway back in the plan. And what is that? Well, it's been carved out all the way up to clark's but every new development you can see you could almost see where this this space has been left for this rapid transit to come through with buses um at this point it was down it, right, down to right. buses. it was basically what it came down i think it'd gone through different you know designs it's only 30 percent designed actually at this point so um i know that here in rockville our king farm felt that they had their own shuttle and they didn't want it going through king farm um it was king farm was built as you can see they've got this giant area i've heard out there that they pay eighty thousand dollars a year to sort of landscape this empty space where the corridor city transitway was supposed to go but still people out there didn't want this running through because they felt they have enough bus service but now we've uh, approved the plan for seven big office buildings on shady grove road uh, right there, uh, next to King Farm, to be taken down and a whole new community to be put in there, and actually, actually, quite large. Uh, I think uh, 32 acres uh, altogether in housing, maybe two office buildings or an office building and a hotel. It's it's quite a large development, and so I'm wondering. You know, there is room for the Corde City Transitway to go around that way and service the new community that's up there if we get it back in. But I mean, I've seen the the Gaithersburg uh, Germantown the Chamber of Commerce just wrote a letter this. Uh, week, you know, really trying to force the state to go back to this plan. You know, when we showed up for the widening of 270, which is really just putting in pay lanes to 270, so think about that. We, I feel like we're going to be having a lot less lanes, um, and we're going to have to pay for some of the lanes, where now we have the same amount of traffic, and we'll have the same backups, I think, but will people? some people will be able to afford to pay. Um, there, You know, it isn't just Rockville. It's it's Gaithersburg. It's Germantown. It's everybody who expected to have some transit option. You know, we we're working on this for a long time, and we're not going to have any transit option with it. I mean, the one businessman that put the monorail um, idea out there, and it. I think anything like that would be a plus because when I'm down in Virginia where I, I did live shortly before we moved up here, you know, the, the, the Metro goes right up the middle of 66, you know, they, they're not just dependent just on the highways. The fact that we have the Mark trains and we have Metro that could be extended. I know it takes funding. I just find it so hard to believe in the United States that we'd never have money for transit. I don't, I just don't know why that's true. I feel like we could find the money if we really wanted to, the funding could be there. Well, they've, policy wise, they've passed it. We actually need to have the action plan in place now. So, those are the specific things. So, what improvements are you going to make? to intersections? What type of education program are you going to do? What type of enforcement are you going to do? So it's basically the nuts and bolts. So we say we don't want anyone to die in the streets, but how do we do that? And, you know, so it's a fairly extensive plan that kind of gives you direction. It's more of a strategy plan. So we're going to work on do, redoing these types of intersections. We're going to put in these types of safety features. And the hopefully the end result is that we do much better with the streets.
1: You also Are you not confident right now about the city's computer
2: systems? You know, when we started running back in April, I would say that I really wasn't. Um, I had some friends that are, you know, big into IT and cybersecurity that had been pointing this out for the last few years, and I put that out there, and then, you know, Baltimore was hacked, and so I thought, well... You know, I, I think we do need to ensure. Um, it's interesting because I, I still follow all Rockville News, and Rockville Central New York um, always comes up in my news feed because it, there, it starts with Rockville. And they um, had their whole school system actually started late this year because it had been hacked, and they paid the ransom. So I, th- I think it's a real um, security issue. We handle it in-house. My concern is that perhaps I've been told that it's hard for any staff Within any institution to keep up because it's every day, and there's such extensive forces out there that are hacking that you need a more comprehensive company and service. I, I'm not sure if that's true at this point, but I don't see us talking about it, and I'm concerned just to make sure that we are doing everything we possibly can.
1: On your website, Cynthia for Rockville City you have an issues page. You talk about that. That was number. new this morning. Is that yes? <laughs> Did you talk about the Yours is very well done. It's easy to learn about you and your vision, and to keep informed, you can volunteer. Of course, you want to contribute (laughs) to to contact you. So you talk about your number one, the number one challenge facing Rockville, and you said it's a high quality of life, that ensuring that Rockville has a higher quality of life. And that's, that's why, as you point out on your website, that your campaign theme is keeping Rockville City the City We Love. Tell me about this issue, what does that mean?
2: Well, I know 94% of us love living in Rockville. I think we have a higher good quality of life my concern is seeing over and over again that we are, we're not bringing in new jobs and we're not growing. And that means we're just depending on residential property taxes. And as I kind of pointed out, you know, we pick seniors up at their door. We have great rec programs. We have great parks. We love that our snow is removed better than the county. You know, we have great trash and recycling. Our services are top notch across the line. But they're expensive. You know, we, we need to pay for them. And if we're just depending on property taxes and we're not growing, either we cut off all new housing because whatever issue we decide we, we can't have more people living here and we're not attracting new businesses, it means, you know, either we're going to have to cut services or raise taxes going forward. And I, I don't want to see us in that position. We've been very lucky. You know, Virginia Onley has been the one that insisted that we keep a 20% reserve that rainy day fund we need to keep. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person, when I budget, um, we're very, very careful when we budget. We don't want to overestimate our income. We don't want to underestimate the expenses. I'm a very conservative budget person, extremely conservative budget person. And I'm just afraid in the wrong hands, are, you know, mistakes could be made.
1: Uh, someone has been following the city council. Tell me about your views on the city's budget process. And tell me, are, is Rockville, are they getting the best bang for their buck? And What's the state of their
2: finances? I think the state of the finances in Rockville are excellent, or on bond ratings are excellent. I, th- I think we go about financing our improvements a little differently than maybe some of the surrounding jurisdictions, in that we do take out bonds, but we always get a great rate. Um, You know, I know we we talk about when we built the police station, it was during the recession. So we got very good price on the construction companies because they were desperate for work. And, you know, we had great rates going forward with bonds and things like that. So I think we always have been very careful and we watch every penny. Um, You know, the city, I think, is just the right size that we can have a lot of volunteers. And there are people that come forward for finance committees and things like that that are keeping an eye on what we do. Um, There are people that really care. I was surprised when I first started blogging and you know, people who professionally would work with budgets for the federal government, or something would send me a long contributor's opinion about the budget. And I realized that a lot of people in Rockville are paying a lot of attention and they know what they're doing. They're professionals. And, and so I think we, we do an excellent job with the budget. And I agree mostly because of Mark Pichela. He's, he's, he's an amazing numbers guy. Like he's a, the data guy. Federal
1: statistician. Yes. And as I said yesterday to Mark that, almost finished completing my MBA.
2: Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you.
1: I'm almost finished. Fingers crossed it will be, I will walk next year in May, and I told him that this coming Thursday I'm entering the second half of the the fall semester. I just completed a a graduate-level accounting class, which just about killed me, Um, and then now I have to take statistics. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, geez, and I was explaining to Mark yesterday, the one fun thing that I joy about the classes that we get to talk about polling and the mechanics of polling and breaking down a poll and the probabilities and so uh, yeah mark is uh he he laid it all out there but let me ask you this is there any other budget priorities or is there certain uh, services that you think that Rockville should be spending money on or, or reserving
2: money for um i'm there's not any big tag item out there that i would say that we're not doing right now um, I mean, I think one will be the Red Gate Golf Course and what to do with it. Yeah, No, because if, if we are going to keep it, as I've been saying, we, we bought it to be recreation land. It is recreation land. Um, if we want to continue and we want to put in a bunch of ball fields or whatever we see. So, you know, they, we just had all these focus groups. It's quite an intensive study for the Parks and Recreation, the open space, and their report is due out in December. So if we are going to go forward and preserve it, without having to sell off parts of it or to use them for public good i'm not sure i really want to know what that recreation study because i participated in and i know that there were so many people with ideas and i know that the east side of the county is um you know short we don't have any city ball fields over on the east side um i know james hedrick might have talked about that a lot since he's from east rockville um the city doesn't have any over there um so i I would like to keep it as recreation space and, and, possibly a public use if it's a very good public use. I actually personally don't think it's a good place for housing because I prefer affordable housing a lot of people like on my street because I'm where Fireside Parks Apartments is that they don't have cars. They depend on public transit they they walk to the stores all the time and there's nothing really there for them and for those kind of amenities if it were housing and 28 is just overloaded with traffic going in and out of you know and I'm not going to say Let's put transit out 28 because we're going to build you know we have buses like well there but I just don't think it would be enough so um, I'd like, I want to make sure that we have enough recreation space going forward, especially if we're going to have more density here in Town Center, we're going to have more density in Timber Quarter, people need their green spaces, it's mental health, it's physical fitness, it's it's all the things that we really need for our population. So I'm, I'm inclined to keep it because we're lucky that we have it. And uh, we'll, we'll see, that might be something in the budget that we're going to have to make space for.
1: You wrote the city must embark on a multiple year process for resident input on next year Uses including park, recreation, and social service needs?
2: Um, I'm willing to consider social service needs, but I mean, I'm, I would love to have an outdoor auditorium kind of thing, like Mary Rather Post or something like yeah. something that's recreation. A lot of people have said to me there's no place for local ba- bands and their friends and all to play. I mean, they're, they're, whenever you talk to people, and I have to say, I've knocked on a lot of doors, no one has told me to build anything. On the Red Gate Golf Course, exactly. Every, people mostly have been asking me, "Are you going to preserve it? Are you sure you're going to preserve it?" Particularly when you did get over. Preserve. That's what most people have told me. They they're they're expect well, mostly going out toward East Rockville in that way. Would people around the Glenview Mansion. You I did. I've already. I already have pretty I much. Ex- yeah. I would have to have a good reason to have this not zoned for recreation. Okay. That's what I'm saying, okay. you know. And if good. I saw the very, very good reason why, I mean, a, a real social need. Um, and I'm, I'm a real big affordable housing advocate, but there's an awful lot of empty parking lots around Rockville that could be housing.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the, um, the town center. We are in Rockville Town Center. I keep hearing a the theme. The theme is, it's just not and I hear it from not only candidates, but people who work down here. who live? Who live here? What is wrong with, with Rockville Town Center, this, this great, what's supposed to be an economic hub, a place where business and commerce and restaurants and people gather. What's
0: gone wrong?
2: Well, I, whatever's gone wrong started from the very beginning. Because when it when it opened, I had a, a what's opened blog post, and as things would open, I would put them on there. And before all of the spaces opened, I already had a what's closed column, and then every time there was one in the what's open side, one would be added to the what's closed side. And so from the very beginning, even after the first year, we saw this happening. And I tend to agree with the Urban Land Institute that I think that there's too much square footage of retail here because it hasn't been you know, successful from the very beginning, from that point that there are shuttered stores, which you can see walking up either one of the streets, there are shuttered stores. They're doing a little bit better. I mean, so either you have to take away some of the retail, use it for other reasons, you know, like they said, daycare. I don't know if doctor's office would really want to be here, but you know, Federal Realty really needs to step up and figure that out. It's it's their property. They're the the landowner. They're leasing it out, and I know that they've just hired someone who's going to specifically been doing that. So when I started campaigning, there wasn't someone in a role hired by Federal Realty to specifically lease Town Square, and now there is. But we also the other problem. We saw from the very beginning, when Town Square opened on the blog, we tried to decipher our rule of when would we refer to it as Town Square and when would we refer to this area as Town Center, because the square seemed to be different. The square has its own marketing with the different flags and the different advertisements they do, and it doesn't include that sort of broader area over to the theater, which is the Town Center. And that was one of the things that uh, they pointed out too with Urban Land Institute that we we don't it doesn't have a real is this the town? You know, you're in the town square, so you can see the square out the window of the library. So oh, this we, is the square. This is the square. Okay. But it's not the center. But it needs it needs a consistent one identity and wow. it needs so to be marketed. Yeah, but if you go into the movie theater over there, you're not really going to the square. So that's the question. So Are we going to be the center? That we would call that the center okay. over there. <laughs> so
1: where and the courthouses and the movie theater. Yeah. And
2: where my office is about a block away would be, you know, uh, that was the the kind of the fake distinction we made uh, about 12 years ago. Um, But they pointed that out that it doesn't have an overarching identity here. And we already know the wayfinding has been pretty bad because Mark Bichelle and Virginia only walked the streets a couple of years ago. And so we already were kind of saying, hey, we have to do something about that. But now that we have the, the second stage with the Cambria Hotel, they have a separate parking garage with a separate structure that you can't get validated when you're in these restaurants over here. So you might go to a restaurant directly across the street from that parking garage and you think you're getting your parking validated, but it's not validated for that parking garage. So we're growing and we're getting these other concerns, so I know there's someone in the chamber has a parking push app. So maybe there's ways, you know, technologically that we can work through this. But there also there needs to be more coordination and there needs to be marketing of the whole area, you know. And I really think it needs to be a much stronger public-private partnership. So the city has our director of long-term planning, David Levy, who's now the omsbudman for, for, towns, uh, for Rockville Town Center. So maybe it needs to be have a little bit of force behind it where they're going to have some real agreement about consistent parking and, and, and that type of thing and consistent marketing, but also the streets. I, I've been saying for a couple of years now that we need to do something about North Washington Street because people cut through there all the time the way it is. And so they had very good su- suggestion. they had a, a, a kind of more extreme suggestion than what I was thinking of closing North Washington Street up by the post office in 355. I was thinking that we needed to put it on a diet, as they say, and slim it down and put in the bike lanes and make it so it seemed like with flowers and fences and bike lanes that hey this is not a speed place that you cut through We're to get through. Bike. Yes, I'm a supporter of bike lanes. Um, I was I was disappointed when we we tried to put them in sort of in existing streets and if temp, you know more than 10% of the parking is going to be have to you know be eliminated then you have to send postcards to everyone, you have to have a public hearing the planning commission then you have to have a public hearing with mayor and council and it's like this probably bike lanes are not going to make it through that you process
1: yes you, you talk about this on your website that this is a decision that you disagreed with the mayor and council voted against having the developer you wrote continue the bike lanes on chapman avenue the bikeway <laughs> master plans as part of the city's master plan and by ignoring the master plan you said that they have a set they set an unfortunate precedent for precedent for bike facilities Going
2: forward, so that 's a pretty big issue it, it was because I just pointed out the problems for putting bike lanes in old neighborhoods, and at the time they were like, "Oh, but when we build new neighborhoods we 'll have bike lanes on every street, and then Where the are they Well, that first one at Twinbrook Quarter, you know, then we say, okay, we don't have to keep the bike lanes on Chapman. We'll just have them on Rockville Pike. You don't need them on Chapman, the local. And then that was, you know, a few months before. Now we have electric scooters and all these other things that seem to need their own space. And bike lanes seems to be the space for that and, and not the sidewalk and not the actual street. And I I think there was a little bit confusion on Traffic and Transportation Commission. We understood that we needed a parallel. We've been really wishing we had parallel streets to 355 for a very long time to to kind of take that traffic off. And Chapman was supposed to be that. But now they're trying to turn it into like a little side street like you would have here in Town Square. And I don't know that that meets the need for the traffic that we – because we did need to move some cars through there. So bike lanes would make more sense and be safer. But it meant making the developer have to take a couple more feet out of their buildings or give up the parking spots. And they weren't willing to do either one of those things, apparently. So they kept their big, bigger buildings and their parking spots.
1: I grew up in Hagerstown. Oh, we did you? <laughs> the, this, the city now is very blessed to have former police chief of um, the city of Hagerstown, um, Victor Bruno. Brito. Brito. I'm sorry. I've seen Bruno, but his name's Brito. Tell me about your thoughts on the current police chief. Some, some of your ideas on public safety.
2: I was amazed when uh, he was first welcomed and sworn in as a police chief in the chambers. There were people from the state, from federal police, it was amazing, the, his friends and supporters that came out when he was sworn in that night. and it was so emotional. I didn't expect for a police chief to to be so caring and to obviously be so compassionate about other people and so extremely well uh, respected. And I, I've just believe completely and totally that he was this wonderful new addition to Rockville um, and meeting him and speaking with his wife. And I know they have a son um, who's this Uh, the same age as my son or a year younger I think I'm not sure he's still I know they both played uh, volleyball uh, on volleyball teams because he was on another team when my son was playing volleyball last year at high school so um, uh, I I think the Rockville City Police and always have supported them and think that they are excellent Um, from the smallest reason we've had to call them when I was chairman of the Human Services Advisory Commission I know we we had them come in and um, the, all the undercover police officers also came in and spoke with us because we were studying gangs and whether this was really of concern in, in the city. And they really are our protectors, and they really are out there in a whole bunch of different ways um, that you didn't expect. And, you know, I would say after I met the in- undercover police officers, I would see them because <laughs> I knew who they were, and pff, nobody else even knew that they were there at our public events. And um, I have never, you know, my, I once had my son... When he started sixth grade, he got on the, the the regular Montgomery County bus to come home from middle school, when it was one of his first days of sixth grade. And he, he was reading his book, I guess. And he got off at the Rockville Metro and then figured he'd just get on the next bus that came. And, and of course, the next bus that came was took him up to Gaithersburg, I think the Lake Forest Mall. But, you know, immediately I, I called the police. I mean, the police have, have always been there for our family. You know, when chief Trust, uh, our older police chief spoke to me that day and, you know, assured me everything would be okay. And all the police were looking for my son. And he did show up a couple hours later um, riding buses all over. But, um, you know, I, I think our police do an excellent job.
1: What kind of issues are bound in the future to come up before the council? What are you ready for? Anything to be expected here in the next few months that is going to maybe be on the radar? Even outside
2: oh, I don't know. I'm hoping nothing bad. Um, we've already talked about the golf course, that's one thing. I
1: keep um, this, thing this similar theme too about yeah. deer. The deer, oh, the deer. <laughs> Mark and James both discussed that when they were knocking doors that many residents expressed concern about the overpopulation.
2: I had quite a few people talk to me about the deer. I would have people come out of their door and take me to the yard and show them me the deer excrement. <laughs> no, all over their yards and how disgusting it was. All their flowers are gone. I had yeah, I just had someone last week, um, last day, you know, show me how all the flowers were gone and they had tried the netting as I have, they've learned how to take the netting up. Um, they used to, you know, I know neighbors even that use different things that they would spray around and that's not stopping them anymore. Um, there really does seem to be no stopping them. I have had about three people tell me that they love the deer and they feed the deer, but overwhelmingly I've had people, and I've had someone in college gardens make me stand there and put my hand up and swear that if it came before me, if there was any chance of not doing the pilot program, that I would still vote for the pilot program. So I also had someone else emailing me and saying, you know, my wife is very ill and she loves seeing the deer out the window. And, you know, and I very gently had to say, I, I really feel like the, the deer are not well. And, and my concern even going into this winter particularly is they've already eaten all of my yard that typically they eat in the winter. I don't know what they're going to eat in the winter. And, and if there are eight deer in my yard, I, I, I don't really want to have to come out in the morning and have deer starving to death in my backyard this winter because – it looked really bad last year, and it's only going to be worse this year, I think. So it, it's sad, and I don't think it's healthy for the deer. And, I, you know, I think birth control, they <laughs> – we, we've just had so many hearings on this over so many years in Rockville, and they tried to do it before. And like they said, there are 1,500 letters. Bob Barker from the Prices Right led this effort against us for culling the deer in Rockville. It was a national movement against us. And so here we are now several years later, and we still have the same problem. But you, that's why they're wanting us to really commit to doing something. And I, in birth control, we've been told if it's not an island, it's not sort of cut off. It doesn't really work. It's extremely expensive. And I know a lot of hunters and outlaws areas and a lot of people who still actually hunt and eat deer and supplements their family incomes and in other more rural areas of the country where they're suffering economically and this is um, they wouldn't understand us doing birth control on a deer honestly a lot of the people I know it's I shouldn't be kind of laughing it's not really a laughing matter but uh, we we do need to, to do something because I just don't think that this is right
1: make
2: well I guess from our conversation all conversations, you can tell I've been in paying attention for a very long time in Rockville and I take everyone's opinion to to heart. Um, We always had contributor opinions online, and we made space for both opinions. I'm I'm the philosophy major who looks at knows there's an argument. There's always another side of argument. There's always a counter argument, you know. And you just have to weigh that. I've you know I've studied logic, and I like to look at what people are saying and give everybody that space. But I think someone ultimately has to make the decision that has Rockville's best and the best for all the residents at heart. And I think that person's me. I, you know, tried very hard over the years, and I think you have to kind of know what's gone on in the past here and be paying attention a a lot so that you don't make the same mistakes over, you know, sort of starting over with yet another study when we've already had a couple that came to the same conclusion and times nothing's changed really since then. But if you're not aware of what's happened, I, I... I think you need to have some background so you can't just step into this having never spent all those many many months and years in city hall every month so i'm that person
1: (laughs) cindy griff is running for rockville city council her website is cynthiaforrockvillecitycouncil.com you can check her out learn about her vision and what issues that she is pushing in this campaign she's part of the team rockville committee and the election is november 5th so Listening, please make sure you get out and vote, Cynthia. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, and best of luck to you as you finish out this uh, last few weeks of your campaign. Well, thank you very
2: much for all your time and your effort in doing this. I think it's a great benefit for the city in our election. So, thank thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301-740-8870. Discover how they can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside their home.